welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, we are beginning a new series on the book of Daniel, and our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, will be leading us through this series together. You can go ahead and open up your Bible or your Bible app to Daniel chapter 1, and if you would like to find additional resources on this message or listen to past messages, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can find all of that and more on our Brookwood Church app. because you're supposed to say it. It has to be a personal thing if it's going to affect your life. Because if you're convinced that God is overall, it will control your responses, your actions in this world. Do you see it? You know, I think we had one of the greatest nights in the history of Brookwood last Sunday night. There were, there was, I don't know, 800 to 1,000, I'm not sure. Um, here and it wasn't wild you know out of control kind of worship at all it was really in my estimation people who desired really in the calmness and the quietness of their souls to glorify God and and you could feel it you could tell it and so I'm so heartened to see that that's where we are and we commend Brantley and Joe Wehunt for leading us these years to a place that we could have a night of worship. You know, in the early years of the church, maybe even halfway through, I don't think I would have had the courage to sponsor a night like that. We've always had, always had great musicians and instrumentalists. We still do, but today we're honored to have very humble ones who understand that their role is to bring adoration to God, not attention to self. And I think that's unique. So we praise God for that. Today we begin a new series that is going to require something of you. Can I ask you you to apply yourself? I need to hear this because it's going to require something of you. Some effort, some honesty. I have some even some intimidation about some of these issues. So I ask that you pray for me that I would speak clearly, boldly, honestly, not angrily ever. You know, if a pastor is always appears to be angry, that's something about him. It's not about God's word, you see. So this new series, Living in a Foreign Land, is a series that will focus on Daniel's experience in exile in Babylon. Babylon today is what country? Iraq. The book of Daniel was written by Daniel in the sixth century BC. And in it, he tells of his life living in a pagan land. Pagan means unbelieving, polytheistic, multiple gods. Heathen is another word. We hear that word used, you know, as, a, uh, as just a, 
ugly expression, but, but it has a, a real meaning. All these words have real meanings. These are people who deny Jehovah God. And he was taken there, not willingly, he was taken there as a prisoner. The first message is based on Daniel chapter 1. I urge you to spend some time reading Daniel. I will deal with the first six chapters, then I'll deal with chapter 9, on, which is on prayer. And I, I'm not going to deal five weeks on what is the ten-headed dragon. But I will deal one week on the end times, eschatology. But understand that these are much debated issues in terms of meaning. You may have, be only hearing one view, and it sounds convincing, but there are biblical people that hold many different views on the end times. So I will survey it, but that's what, that's what we'll get. The first message, based on one, as I said, is called consistency. And the theme verse, if you'll take out your outline, is there on the top, the front panel. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Now, Daniel was a prophet, but his audience was different. The other prophets of God spoke to Israel, to Judah, Judah being the southern part of the kingdom. Israel being the northern part, and different prophets spoke to different kings in different parts of the land. But Daniel didn't speak to Jewish kings. Daniel spoke to unbelieving, what was that word I used? Pagan, Gentile kings and their courts by interpreting dreams and visions. And he demonstrated how to live in a foreign land with very different cultural values and faith commitments. So Daniel teaches us to live in our culture, which is becoming ever more antagonistic toward God. Is that fair? I'm not saying that our culture minds you going to church. You just better not have any convictions about it. And so our culture is antagonistic, not just toward God, but toward Christian beliefs and particularly biblical morality. And like Daniel... We must not merely avoid conflict through silence. Now, let me say this. I appreciate the amens in this series, but I don't want folks to just get hepped up on some of these, these trigger issues. You see what I'm saying? Because when it's a serious matter, it's a time to think quietly and say, God, what, do, what about me in this. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes when we just get rousing, it really is deflecting conviction. Because when the Spirit is placing truth in us, it comes in quietly. Do you know that? It cuts in quietly. We're called as Daniel to 
influence our culture. But to do that, we must be consistent, there's the theme of today, the title of today's message, in our faith. Christian consistency is living my life conformed to biblical truth. Now, if I'm going to conform my life to biblical truth, I have to what? I have to know it. I have to know it. I have to then obey it, and I have to be able to articulate it to influence. That's also integrity. Integrity is an inner consistency between what I say I believe and how I live, what I show. Look at 2 Timothy 3 about the word. Look at 1 John 2 about the lifestyle. 1 John 2, 3 and 4. So here's where we begin. Are you influencing people toward Christ by living according to God's truth? Let me ask this question. I'm not asking for hands on that one. Do you want to? I want to see some hands of who wants to. So here's the related one. Are you willing, with God's help, to make some changes in your life? Let me just see that. Are you willing to make some changes? Me too, I'm changing too. I don't, I don't have a perfect life, but God's still refining me and he's interested in refining you as well. The background begins in Daniel 1.1. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, if you're about to have a child, there's a good name for him. (laughs) This is 605 BC. King Nebuchadnezzar, you might prefer that one for a girl. Where's my daughter? Maybe that should be our next one if we have a girl. Could you imagine? Come here, Nebu. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, I want you to look at this next verse. Don't miss this. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim. Don't miss that. Of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Who allowed this to happen? You don't really believe that, do you? What do you think, Neil? You believe that? So, we, so God allowed this king to dishonor his people. Stephanie, you believe that? Does it surprise you at all? How about that guy beside you? Does he believe it? I want, y'all to, I want you to get this. This is, I mean, we might not get any farther than this today. God allowed a pagan king to defeat 
a Jewish king and to steal sacred items from the temple and to desecrate them by taking them back and putting them in the temple of a false god. I mean, does that raise a question for anybody? Well, let's think about it. God made a covenant. We, we looked at covenants a bit during Christmas. With the people of Israel, he promised he would care for them, he would bless them if they obeyed his law, if they kept his commands, but they didn't. And if they didn't, he said, he would discipline them and scatter them among the Gentiles. Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 27 through 30. So instead of being a light to the Gentiles, as Isaiah 42, 6 says, who is intended to reveal the true and the living God to them, they became like the Gentiles and they worshiped their false gods. And prophets had warned the kings of Judah that their idolatry and their immorality, but also this, oh, their injustice toward the poor. would lead the nation to ruin. In fact, the prophets saw the day that God would, God would bring the Babylonian army to do these very things, to destroy Jerusalem, to ransack the temple, and to take the people captive. Isaiah 13, 21, 39, Micah 4, 10, Habakkuk 1, Jeremiah 20, 25, 27. Prophecy full of these. But don't you ask, why would God allow an unbelieving king with pagan gods to conquer his people? Isn't that troubling? Perhaps, this is me, you've got to talk to God about it. Perhaps. God would rather his people living in subjugated, shameful captivity in a pagan land than living like pagans in the promised land and disgracing his name. That's discipline, Hebrews 12 beginning at verse 7. See, God kept all of his promises to the people. The people didn't keep their promises to him. God invited these people into a relationship with him and they neglected the relationship and committed adultery is the way the prophets describe it. So they were disciplined. Isn't it interesting that we can think that as long as I prayed a prayer at some age in my life, then everything else I do gets a pass. But if you're born again, if you're a Christian today, you've been invited into relationship. Like marriage. Israel was the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. And who thinks adultery is just okay in marriage? 
See, it's a relationship. God is living. So the question for us today is, are we keeping our promises to God? I wonder if we're seeing evidence of discipline in our land. I wonder if because of our complacency, our lukewarmness toward God, our ignorance of his word, our assumptions of our forgiveness, he's allowing us today to become captive in a land that's becoming more foreign every day. Is that fair? Now, I want you to hear me right now, clearly. I'm not talking about, oh, the good old days of the 50s and 60s and even the 70s. Because there were many things that weren't right. I, I, I puzzle why the church didn't stand against racism and, and other issues in those days more. So I'm not saying those days were all good, these days are all bad. But I'm saying that, 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 that today our country is becoming ever more immoral and losing its values. Is it too late to change? Do you think it's too late to change? It isn't too late to change if we change. If my people who are called by name shall humble themselves and pray and repent. First Chronicles. We have to influence this culture. And we do it by living consistently in a changing culture. And that requires us first to recognize the pressure to conform. Daniel 1 verse 3. Now, I told y'all this series is going to be challenging, okay? So I'm asking you, don't just blow it off. Don't just get mad with Perry. I'm asking you. You can get mad with me, but take it to God. Take it to God and say, is this, is this true? Now, if it's not, feel free to say you were out of line. Okay, I'll take that. But I'm asking you to stay in there. To look at it. Then the king ordered... Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only the strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon and the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens they were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service so the king's policy was to identify the best and the brightest the most talented people from the lands he had conquered from the nation to serve in his government. 
He would benefit from their knowledge of their own people. And he would use whatever skills they possessed to strengthen his administration. But did he let them believe anything they wanted? They had to be indoctrinated. Do you see in our culture, if you don't hold the certain cultural open-minded views, you miss out on some opportunities? Daniel 1.6. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen. I'm not sure they weren't really chosen by God. The people thought they were doing the choosing. I think God had already prepared them. And all from the tribe of Judah. These young men were likely 15 to 20 years old. And they were instructed, but more than instructed, they were indoctrinated into Babylonian culture. The language, customs, values, thinking, but also the faith of the Babylonians before entering royal service. And this indoctrination began in a very significant way. They were assigned new names. That seems relatively insignificant, doesn't it? Assigning new names. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Daniel means God is my judge. Yahweh is my judge. Belteshazzar means Baal, a false god, protect his life. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Shadrach means the Lord shows grace. Shadrach means command of Aku, another false god, a moon god. Michelle was called Meshach. Michelle means who is like God, who is like Yahweh, Jehovah. Meshach means who is as Aku is, the moon god. Azariah was called Abednego. Azariah means the Lord is my help. Abednego means serve of Nebo or Nego, another false god. See, the Hebrew names, and some of us in this room have Hebrew names. You just may not know it. Sarah, Rachel, Joshua. There's so many of them. Noah. The Hebrew names reminded them of their God every time it was called. Every time they introduced themselves. They were replaced by references to false gods of Babylon. And so this was an attempt to give them new identities. Don't miss this. Submitted to new gods, to new authorities. New identities submitted to different authorities. In our culture, we're not forced to change our names, are we? But we are encouraged to identify not with God, but with qualities that divide us. Gender, 
sexual orientation, race or ethnicity, even sports teams or political parties or our addictions. Instead of identifying ourselves as children of God who have struggles in certain areas. See how different that is? Because your identity controls your behavior. But if we see ourselves as the children of God, guess what? Race and sex and even sexual orientation, those things disappear. And we're united. And seeing ourselves as God's children living in God's kingdom, it also sensitizes us so that we can recognize the pressure to conform to the values of our culture that are inconsistent with God's will. Who watched television last night? That's all? Who watched television last night? How many of you saw anything and just swallowed anything that was inconsistent with God's moral teaching? You see what I'm saying? There's also pressure, maybe not to change your name, but there's pressure to remove Jesus' name, God's name, from the public forum. Eliminating prayer in schools and before games. Removing any public displays of Bible passages or nativity scenes or even renaming the day that honors the birth of Christ, Christmas, replacing it with seasons, greetings that occurs during a school's winter break. These aren't small things. They are stripping just the name and with it the presence of God in our cultural life. And we could say, well, that's harmless, that's harmless. None of it's harmless. Who are you? Do you know who you are? What is your name? Is your name Christian? Because that should be your controlling identity. Not, I mean, God bless Clemson, they get, got to win. But you know what? That's not your identity. And neither is, I'm not down in that. that I mean, good, that's a good thing they, they won. But that's your identity? Or Gamecocks? or Republicans, and don't get self-righteous on me, y'all, or Democrats. Those are not our identities. And wherever those groups differ from God's morality, we step away. You see my point? But some of us have been seduced by those names, by those labels. Living consistently in a changing culture requires us to refuse humbly to compromise. Daniel 
But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. See, they refused because Jews could only eat certain animals prepared in specific ways. For example, all the blood had to be drained out of meat before it was cooked. And they couldn't eat food that was offered to idols because it was customary that an animal would be slaughtered and, and parts of it would be offered to an idol. Then it would be offered to the people to eat. But it was offensive. See, the early church had the same issue. They had to resolve. 1 Corinthians 8 and, and uh, also 1 Corinthians 10. But I want you to understand this. Take note of how he resisted. Because the way of resistance is very important. In verse 8, the latter part of verse 8. He asked, he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. He humbly requested permission. Now God had given the chief of staff, both respect and affection for Daniel. See, so God was working, but Daniel still had to act appropriately. God may be working at your work, so you find favor with the boss. God may be moving that man or that woman's heart, but you still have to act appropriately. Verse 10. But he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and drink this wine because if you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded and then we continue Daniel spoke with the attendant a different man who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle and Azariah please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water Daniel said and at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. And the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. Well, well how does this apply to me? Is anybody telling you what to eat? I mean, there are some folks around here that are always telling me what I need to be eating, you know, the organic and, you know, all that. I love to go in Whole Foods because those people, their feet don't even touch the floor. They just. They, I mean, I know when I'm in there, they know I'm a pretender. I see people looking at me, you know, and they see. And they know. I mean, I've asked them when they check out, do you eat, do you like red dye number four? I, I love fat and. But it isn't food, it isn't food that they're trying to do. But you are being a fed a steady diet of messages that conflict with your convictions, at least with God's convictions. Any expression of sexuality is acceptable as long as it's based on love or at least consent. I mean, look what's accepted. I mean, a succession of sexual partners, even more than one at the same time. And how dare you have anything negative to say? To say that, that homosexuality is from a person who has lacked intimacy 
with a parent and is seeking it through a physical expression. You know, really all sexual immorality is, is, a, is a motivation to try to experience intimacy that was missed out on. It could have been a missing parent. It could be, now, now parents, I'm, we, we all make mistakes, including me, okay? And our children interpret what's going on for them. but it's a missing intimacy. It's a desire to connect on a physical level what was missed on, on an emotional, spiritual level. Now y'all pray on that, study on it, consider it carefully. And we're being told that life doesn't begin until after birth. And, no, and we deny God's role in a person's life from conception. Goodness. God knew you at the point of conception. He knit you together. And even if your, your birth wasn't in the best possible situation, maybe your parents weren't married or your, your mother was very young, but that doesn't mean you don't have the, the, the handprint of God on your personhood. And New York just passed a law that they celebrated that allows abortion essentially until birth. And it's celebrated as magnanimous. We cannot be neutral on these issues. You can't say, ah, somebody else think about that. You can't. If you want to influence, again, I told you, how do we influence? We influence humbly. We influence with love. But disagreement with these kinds of positions because of faith or morality is, is considered and even attacked as bigoted and hateful. But, but God hasn't changed his mind about morality or life. You know, we could say, oh, well, it's like God didn't understand the 21st century. Folks, there's no new way to sin. What's happening in our culture happened throughout history. Take a read at the Roman Empire, for example. God hasn't changed his mind and he wasn't ignorant of this culture. But we can't swallow what our culture is attempting to feed us through media, through celebrities, through entertainers. I'm going to tell you, sometimes I wish this, this internet would blow a fuse and the thing would disappear. Through news outlets, through politicians and political parties. And I'm talking about either political party. Christians can get so uppity about, I'm a Republican. Well, better that you be a child of God. How about that? And where a party lines up with God's convictions, whichever party we support. Because our identity isn't Democrat or Republican. Our identity is children of God. We can't compromise with our culture's increasing immorality. 
You know, some of us think it's impossible to, to prevent premarital sex today in our culture. Well, it is if, you're, if your kids are immersed in all this television and movies and you don't screen anything. But you can have a home that mostly follows God. Now, it might be only Hallmark that you watch. You know what I'm saying? But you gotta, I mean, you, you, you have to be involved. I remember when, when Evan was little, she got uh, the, littlest, the Little Mermaid. And so we watched that cartoon, you know? And from that cartoon, Evan got a little sassy. Guess what happened to that DVD? <laughs> this is little tiny Evan. I don't mean when she was 17. I'm talking about when she was... <laughs> but we have to... We have to be present as parents and not afraid. Not harsh, not ugly, not critical, not angry. Present and consistent. But we speak humbly and and our motivation is always speaking the truth in love. You know, people that disagree with you, do you love them? Do you care about their souls? Because we want to influence them towards God's position. I don't, you don't need my positions in a lot of things. The only time you ever need my position is if it's consistent with God's position. Daniel and his friends, look at how they objected. They didn't protest. They didn't incite violence or vandalism. They they humbly refused to compromise their beliefs. And they asked for a test that would allow close-up inspection and didn't threaten their overseers. See, you may work for a company and you don't like some of their practices and you don't want to follow them. Well, you humbly ask, can I not follow this practice and can I follow this more honest practice? But it's okay for you to examine whether I can hit my marks. You see my point? But please let me do it this way. And you examine to see that I make my quota. The result in verse 15 At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who'd been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided by the others. We have to decide, all of us have to decide on all of these issues whether we believe what God said in his word about what's right and what's wrong is correct. You have to decide. You can't just silently float along because let me tell you, the river's not going in a good place. Again, I'm not talking about get angry. I'm not talking about pick fights, but you must decide what is right and true. And you have to discover the degree to which you've already conformed to this culture. What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you buying? 
Well, that sounds hard. It is hard to be diligent. It is difficult to be consistent. But you can have an influence well beyond how you conceive of your importance. If I ask you right now, who's the most godly person you know? You all know somebody. And the mere fact that you recognize it says that person's having an influence and they stand apart. You might not be the most popular. But when you face God, your popularity will soar. First Thessalonians 4. Look at this verse. This is the only cross-reference I'm using. God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Remember your identity. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. You know, some of us think that we have this overwhelming need to express ourselves sexually, even single people, but you don't. Unless that's your identity. You see what I'm saying? God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, and this is the memory verse, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching. It's not just Perry's opinion, which doesn't matter. It's rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And the spirit within you reminds you of God's truth. Are you willing to refuse to compromise? Are you willing to speak humbly, gently, wisely about these matters? Motivated by love, never hatred. Are you willing? I mean, right now, a lot of you, almost all of us have situations in our, near us, maybe even in our family, possibly in our household, that we say nothing because we just want to keep peace. I don't know that I see Jesus coming to always keep peace. Do you? He corrected people unto righteousness, motivated by love, always. Living consistently, and this is the final one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut it short. I know y'all think when he's been away a while, he comes and he talks way too long. <laughs> Rely on God for the results. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. He examined them, see. The king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. And whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in the entire kingdom. If you live wisely and holy, people will start asking your opinion. Some of you know it, don't you? Some of you who I will not call out to embarrass, but you know it, you know it. Daniel remained in, in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus, which is 539. Daniel remained in royal service 69 years. 
See, if we were there, we would say, well, God's not good to me if he won't take me back to Israel. Uh Uh-uh. What if God wants you in a foreign land to exercise influence and he leaves you there your whole life? Sometimes I think too many people want to work at the church. Work where you're planted. Work where you're planted. It's harder to find non-Christians on staff. (laughs) That was a joke. That was tug-in-cheek. But... (laughs) God had a plan and a purpose for these men to exercise influence in a kingdom of unbelievers. You know, I know a restaurateur here that plays Christian music at his his place of business. He's exercising an influence. And it's a gentle influence unless anybody's interested. Nobody gets shoved out the door there. You hear me? You hear me on this? But God prepared them with this test of food for greater challenges that were ahead. Let me say this. You know that test you're in right now? It's not the last test you'll be submitted to if you pass it. If you don't, you're just gonna keep repeating that one. But if you will follow God consistently He has greater challenges, greater responsibility, and more influence for you. Okay, we ready to grow? We ready to love? We ready to humbly live as examples of faith? Don't compromise. Live consistently with God's word. And he will use your life. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to walk in your truth and give us great responsibility and influence in the place, in the land you've placed us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways that you can connect with other Christians, or if you just have questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. You can also find our past messages on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.